This is an Australian Museum podcast. Welcome to Amplify, a regular conversation featuring Australian Museum Director and CEO Kim McKay, speaking to researchers, scientists and other fascinating people from behind the scenes at the Australian Museum. Welcome to Amplify, the Australian Museum's regular podcast, where I get to chat to some of our fantastic staff and experts who work behind the scenes at this wonderful institution. I'm Kim McKay, the Director and CEO of the Australian Museum, and today I have Jill Scott with us, who is our new Head of Exhibitions. Welcome, Jill. Hi, Kim. Well, you've been here at the Australian Museum for six months now. How are you enjoying Australia? Oh, it's it's amazing. Um, obviously, you can tell from my accent, I'm not from around here. Um, so I'm settling in really well, loving the museum, staff are great, living the dream. Well, I'm so pleased you like Sydney, but uh, I think he's, your cat is still in quarantine. No, he's here now. Oh, yeah. he's arrived. Yeah, so I had to bring my cat over from Saudi Arabia. That was a huge uh, set of trials, but we got him here and my little baby's here, my pet baby. Good. And I think your husband just arrived too. Yeah, secondarily to the cat, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you see you've got your priorities right. Well, Well, Jill, you know, your job here is to look at opportunities for exhibitions on the floor of the museum, uh, to look at that presentation of our both permanent and temporary exhibitions, and also to look at touring exhibitions, which is something we'll talk about soon. But I wanted to go back in time a little bit Mm. to when you first started out. Now, I know you grew up initially in London and then moved up to Northumberland near the Scottish border. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, Well, it was when I was about 10 and uh, I had a really strong, I wouldn't say Cockney accent, it was more Mockney. And uh, (laughs) they have a very strong dialect up there that they call Geordie and, and the Northumbrians themselves have their own sort of dialect. So I was completely baffled by that they were completely baffled by me so I had to almost learn like a whole new language and uh, then as time has gone off uh, gone on I've adopted both sets of accents so when I get very excited that sort of Geordie starts to come out and when I get sort of very laid back and relaxed the Mockney comes through as well. Isn't that great lovely well we love listening to you so that that's tremendous but you went on to study archaeology at University College in London when did you first become interested in archaeology? Oh, do you know, from, from the youngest age, my, my father would always take us to museums. Uh, being so close to central London, we would all, always go to places like the British Museum, Natural History Museum. Uh, so I grew up with that, and my parents really, uh, I don't know, pr- promoted that. So when, it, <laughs> when I was at school, when I was about seven years of age, I actually convinced my teacher at the end of every Friday to give me 15 minutes at the end of the day where I could take in uh, my latest toy dinosaur or something like that to, to stand there and lecture the rest of my classmates uh, about <laughs> dinosaurs or about you know my, some feature of interest uh, on <laughs> this particular plastic toy. And uh, they hated me for it, no doubt. But um, it was always there. And then even before I went to university, I was volunteering on archaeological sites around the UK, just getting a flavour of what that actually was. And by the time I actually got to university and decided to do Egyptian archaeology, that was purely from the fact that I'd learned my lesson in not wanting to work on excavation sites that were just, uh, you know, pouring rain and all muddy and dirty. So I thought, hmm, nice warm environment. That can't be bad. Egypt, yeah, I can do that. Exactly. Now, it seems like you and I have quite a bit in common because I, while I was born in Australia, I also grew up in London. 
and my parents took me to the museums all the time as well. And it just shows, doesn't it, how if your parents expose you to those things, it can ignite areas of interest that maybe you'd never thought of. It really does. And and if it hadn't been for them, I don't think I would have pursued this route into museums because certainly when I was at school going through all of those exams and deciding what to do at university, teachers and, and well, there was no sort of career guidance in that sort of field as well. So my parents were the key drivers for all of that, for all of this that I've achieved today. That's right. You know, one of our wonderful scientists who's who headed up... Uh, mammalian uh the mammalian collection here at the museum tim flannery of course very well-known australian scientist said it was his first visits to museums as a young boy that really sparked his interest and set off on his career path to work in museums absolutely and 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 if i hadn't gotten into museums i would never have met my husband well, there you go. Oh. There's hope for us all. Uh, now tell me about Egypt, because I also have a bit of a passion for Egypt. So, you know, you were, after you finished university and you got your first job in a museum, you your interest in Egyptology really took off. So you started visiting Egypt on a more regular basis. Tell me what you did down there. I did. I would go about three times a year. And... Um, Largely, I always thought of it as a bit of a jolly for me, even though I was there to do work. It it really is this fantastic place where you're almost on holiday. And I would spend a lot of time in Luxor, um, which is probably my most favourite place in Egypt. The the museums that they have there were of particular interest uh, to me because they've got such fantastic collections. I was really interested in learning about how they promote and preserve their collections. And because tourism is such a big market there, how they make that accessible to so many different types of visitors. And it's a real challenge in a country like Egypt where so much of the revenue of the country does come from tourism Mm. and balancing the needs of tourists visiting all of these historical sites versus the need to preserve those sites and conserve them properly for the future. Absolutely, and making sure that they're secure as well. I mean, you know, we all know what's happened in in recent years. So, and that was something that uh, was particularly in the back of my mind when I moved to Saudi Arabia and how... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, yeah, sorry, we jumped. So Mm. you were... You were in England. In fact, you worked with Tyne and Weir Museums. That's right. They gave me my first foothold in the world of museums, full stop. And in fact, the wonderful director of the West Australian Museum is Dr Alec Coles, who in fact was the director at the time you went there. He was. I know Alec very well. And, um, you know, we've had countless uh, collaborations together. And I haven't seen him yet since I've been here in Australia. Oh, well, he'll come come this way soon. I hope so. He's doing a great job over there of course they're Hi, building <laughs> they're building a new museum in uh perth at, yeah. as we speak they're starting work on it now and it's a 450 million dollar project and it's quite an undertaking so more on that mm. later we'll mm. talk to alec about that one day for sure but so you went from there um working in Egypt a lot, but then you ended up in Saudi Arabia. I did, yes. So about four years ago, um, I was given the opportunity to head over there and they were developing a huge cultural centre in the eastern province. And it seemed like a great chance to be able to develop something that was exciting for the public they're not a museum going culture and part of this cultural center had its own museum and its own right four galleries arguably the first children's museum in saudi so that wow. that was something i couldn't turn down 
No. What an amazing experience, not just from a, a professional capacity to really test your skills yep. in a different culture, but to live and work in that culture, which, yeah. of course, does have some challenges. It does have some cultural nuances uh, that you need to bear in mind. And um, But I made some amazing friends there. You know, and I I take a lot of great memories away with me. And I I do miss it from time to time, but, you know, it's time to move on. And I wish them every success out there because the King Abdulaziz Centre for World Culture is going to do some great things. Now that, just tell us a little bit about that, because that is really going to set a new benchmark in museums, isn't it? It is. And as I say, it's not a museum going culture in general out in Saudi Arabia. I did spend some time at the National Museum in Riyadh, uh, who have got some fantastic stuff and amazing collections. Uh, But this place in itself is just everything that you could ever sort of really want. It's got libraries, it's got archives, it's got the museum component, it's got a a sort of fab lab for sort of tinkering studio for for innovators. And it's really trying to get people re-engaged with their culture and heritage. Um, So in order to do that, you know, we have these galleries that represent... um, elements such as uh, Middle Eastern contemporary art, the natural history of the Arabian Peninsula, but then a huge temporary exhibition space that was designed to bring the best of world culture to Saudi Arabia. So it's an exchange of knowledge, which makes it very exciting for collaboration. Okay, so here's a a British girl who's had some great experiences, spent some time also working in Poland, as well as in Egypt on a regular basis, in Saudi Arabia, and you get a call one day to say, would you be interested in working in Australia? Mm. Yeah, you can't turn down something like that. As I say, you know, you, you I, I've moved around a lot in my career, and I think it keeps things fresh. It, it reinvigorates you, and it allows you to collaborate with so many different people. And, you know, the very first job that I had in museums was with a natural history and cultural collections museum uh, which is now the Great North Museum Hancock in Newcastle upon Tyne and so for me to come to the Australian Museum that has uh, these stupendous collections you know over 18 million of natural history and cultural collections and Egyptology collections yes. even yes we have um, one of those you do um who could turn that down? I, I would have been foolish well, to have said no. We're thrilled to have you here. But I'm, I must say, you know, we've got so many interesting opportunities. We have a master plan in at the moment. Mm. But to restore some of our historic galleries and revive those permanent displays, we've got the long gallery, of course, under major construction at the moment, which is going to house the 200 treasures of the Australian Museum that will open in October. But at the same time, we're developing touring exhibitions too, and you're playing a, a key role in that. Yeah, we've got our fingers in a lot of pies, Kim. And, I know, uh, <laughs> I like to keep you busy. Yeah, you too. Uh, we are being ambitious, and, and one of the great things is, I think for, for anyone who sort of knows museums or, or you know visits museums, you see a lot of products coming over from the US uh, in terms of these touring buy-in exhibitions. We're now getting our stuff out there. We've got this authentic product that we're sending abroad. It began with Tyrannosaurs Meet the Family, which was hugely successful here, and we toured that around a little bit and now we've sent it to the US and it's doing record numbers in the first venue that it's just been at. Which is just incredible. I'm so proud of that because this is a great Aussie ingenuity 
and innovation being exported to the United States and, of course, helping our budgets back here oh, as yeah. well, which is yeah. really marvellous. And plus our beautiful spiders exhibition, spiders, which is still so, on. Yep, so we've got that here on at the Australian Museum until the 16th of July. And then, yeah, that's going to be going on tour as well. Uh, it's going to, you know, it's going to grow legs quite literally, and go abroad. And we've got our first venue signed up for that. We are very excited. And this is an exhibition that has uh, complexities in its own right because we've got live specimens in it. So, we're, you know, we are challenging ourselves. We are raising the bar. Well, there's nothing like uh, frightening the US market as well. Well, it frightens me, Kim, I can tell you that much. <laughs> I know. You are a bit of an arachnophobe, <laughs> I, I know. So. I am terrified. But it is exciting because the Australian Museum is a world-class institution and now that we're touring our uh, home-built product, as you call it, but these wonderful exhibitions to North America is just a great new initiative. But really, you know, I saw a study that came out of the States the other day that said museums are the most trusted of the scientific institutions. So that's an incredible mantle that we hold, isn't it? Absolutely. And and I think, you know, given given the type of work that we do here and, and the expertise that we have on staff, whether it's through our um, research institute and our cultural collections managers and, and the people who work under them, we have got a lot of knowledge to share that is based upon rigorous science and rigorous um, academic and scholarly research that we just want to get out there and make accessible through so many different platforms as possible uh, you know so we've got these fantastic exhibitions that we're developing that are for families and for people with some degree of familiarity in the subject and something for everyone but as you say it is based upon the most brilliant research mm-hmm. that we are doing here in Australia and here at the Australian Museum in particular. Well I'm glad you're so enthusiastic am, yes. it's good to have you on the team but one last question would If a young person was listening now and thinking about a career in museums and helping create and these incredible thought-provoking exhibitions, would you recommend it? Absolutely, because the sky's the limit. Um, and that's what I like doing about exhibitions so much. I started out in uh, Egyptian archaeology, and that's great. I sort of carved a little niche for myself. But the moment I set foot into the realm of exhibitions, I was able to get involved in every different subject that you could think of and work with brilliant people who are equally as passionate about what they do and how they want to get that information out there. And every day I'm sort of developing new ideas. We're working with different technologies. It's not just about dusty old objects. It's about the latest in VR and everything else that goes with it. And, you know, when I go into the galleries and I see our exhibition set up and I see families and different audiences interacting with what we've got on display, that gives me such a great feeling. And I know that we're doing it for the right thing. And if anybody out there considers that as a career path, you can't go far wrong. It's really like being a very practical film producer, isn't it? Because you're, you're budgeting... You're coming up with the creative concepts, you're overseeing the construction and installation, and then you're working with the audience to respond to it. So Maybe I should change my name to Ridley. Oh, no, Ridley Scott's already taken. Yeah, yeah, Jill Scott, team. Ridley Scott, no. No, it's we'll not give you, we don't want you to do that. We want you to stay well and truly here. Jill Scott, it's been great chatting to you, Thank and you. we look forward to seeing some really fantastic new exhibitions at the Australian Museum soon. Watch this space. This has been an Australian Museum podcast. 